1: Committed is a production of iHeartRadio.
4: What I do remember, and what upset me the most, I think it still upsets me today, is that they would only allow us to have a special needs child that was HIV positive or had AIDS. Oh, right. And I literally looked at her and the woman we were talking to, and I said, why do you think just because we're two gay guys We have any idea of how to manage that. Neither one of us are positive. Do you just assume that we're positive because we're gay?
5: Arthur and Ben met in church in the 90s. Both of them had grown up thinking that they might not ever find a church that accepted them as gay men. They also thought they might not ever find love as gay men. But they both ended up finding a community of faith that completely embraced them at a church called St. Bart's. And one day, that's where they met. It's where they fell in love and it's where they started their life together. The two of them both wanted to be fathers, parents, and they tried open adoption and fostering, but there were just so many roadblocks for two gay men during that era. This episode is the story of three decades of love. It's about how two men found one another in the chaos of the AIDS crisis in the nineties and how they both helped one another flourish in their careers as a banker and lawyer and a scientist. But then this story takes a twist, because both of them decided to give up their fancy corporate jobs and serve the Episcopal Church that first brought them together. This is a story about resilience, and love, and God, and science. All of those things can be in one beautiful episode together. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed.
6: there's two versions of our meeting. There's Arthur's, and then there's the truth.
5: <laughs> Which one do we want to hear?
6: My, my truth.
5: <laughs> my truth.
6: <laughs> Go for it, Arthur. How did we meet?
4: We met in April of 1991. Isn't that right, dear? That is correct.
5: Like I said in the intro, they actually met in church. It was Arthur's first visit to this particular church, St. Bart's. And during the sign of peace, that's the part of the service where you turn to your neighbor and shake their hand or give them a hug or a kiss on the cheek.
4: In the middle of the service. And so I'm turning around to shake people's hands and say hello. And this guy is shaking my hand and doesn't let go. He was sitting behind me. See, okay. That's
6: your story right now.
5: Let's let let Arthur do his version. Okay. And then you get to do your version. That's right. Then maybe we'll like, when Harry met Sally, them in each other.
4: (laughs) Anyway, he was very nice, but you know, it just was like, okay, peace is over. So after the service, in most Episcopal churches, they have a good, a nice coffee and tea time afterwards. So I had, it was my first time there, so I wanted to get to know some people. And so I'm having tea and, and c- conversating, and this guy keeps following me. I mean, I'm saying <laughs> hello, and I'm nice to him. And, and so I started talking to this older lady, thinking that that'll push him off. And she was real nice. And so Ben comes along and starts talking to the two of us. And so finally, Ben, what's her name? I forgot already. Fran. Fran. So finally, Fran looks over to Ben as he's trying to get into our conversation. And she, <laughs> says, and she says, now, Ben, when are you going to ask this nice young man out to lunch? Mm. And the rest is history.
5: So, Ben, how did it go down? Was Fran in, was Fran involved?
4: Yes, yes.
5: Everything
6: is, is, he remembers everything pretty much the way it happened, except I was actually seated in front of him. And I turned around and there was this really great looking guy and I started shaking his hand and he wouldn't let go of my hand. (laughs) So That's that's where the the story really is differs. And I don't remember hovering around the two of you. I remember Wes talking at the coffee bar, which I don't actually drink coffee. So I was pretending.
4: Why were you pretending you drank coffee? I mean, I'm, because I wanted to be
6: near you. I wanted to, I was going to ask you out one way or the other. But thank goodness this little lady comes up and says, Ben, when are you going to ask this young man out? So that pushed me over the edge.
5: I remember, this is the early 90s, a time when it was so much more difficult than it is today for men to come out as openly gay and seeking a relationship with another man.
6: So my spirituality is that, that God takes care of me and I was lonely you know I mean I thought I'd be lonely the rest of my life that I would be unattached let's put it that way So I kept asking God please God I don't want to be lonely I, I want to be with somebody and you got to remember now this the AIDS was still a big thing at that point it, it, even though it didn't affect me it did affect me directly but it it all it sort of it actually- it absolutely did direct me directly affect me directly because it sort of started smothering the community a little bit and I sort of tamped it down so meeting people might might be even a little bit more difficult I didn't actually make a bargain with God i just said please i i want i don't want to be alone <laughs> so and then Arthur shows up know uh, oh, this sounds hokey, but I really and I don't want Arthur to get the big head either. But I really think Arthur was God's gift to me, to me, maybe not to the world, but to me. I was prepared after that first meeting. I thought we hit it off pretty good. And and then
4: you fixed me dinner.
6: And then I invited him for dinner that I was going to fix, not one we were going to go out because I'm a I'm a decent cook. So I fixed him dinner and an easy way to Arthur's heart is through his stomach.
4: So (laughs) I think that plunged the deal right there. That's the right word. I had a mother who cooked really well. And then I left to go to college and then, of course, didn't have good home cooking meals for quite a long time. And so I was a working, I was a career girl just working at the bank and eating at restaurants and that kind of good stuff. And somebody was going to cook me a real meal. So (laughs) I had him. I trapped him.
5: <laughs> you got him right then and there. I got
6: him. I call it my man catching dinner. <laughs>
5: Tell me what this dinner was now that you called it the man catching uh, dinner. Okay. So
6: we, it was I had fettuccine with butter sauce. I had grilled chicken breasts, the big ones, and steamed broccoli, and then a chocolate cream pie that I make. And I still continue to make. It's the one my mom used to make for me. I grew up with it. That, that was my my man-catching dinner. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs>
4: so. I did fall in love with them that moment. But I was also young and career-oriented, and I was with a large bank at a time. And we were living in Atlanta, and I had to take this next sort of big You know, big sort of management move to manage a a particular part of the bank and move to North Carolina.
5: The two of them did the long distance thing for a little while, with Arthur coming back and forth from North Carolina for his banking job, which was exhausting him. One day he went for a walk on the Duke campus.
4: And I literally fell apart within myself in the middle of that park. I just thought what the hell am I doing? Why am I chasing this almighty career and when I'm not happy? So I literally Ben, I quit, but not I mean I, I You did. I told the vice president I was I was done.
6: But this is the first time I've heard that story. Oh really? Yes, the park story. It. This first time.
5: I've heard. Oh wow.
4: It's in my my diary if you ever want to read it. <laughs> but uh
6: I'll have to put
5: it in mine,
4: too. <laughs> I had a dinner with my vice president at the time. Told him my, my, that I was leaving, and I was giving him a two weeks' notice or what I could do. And he literally said he was mad and said that you will never have a job in this career, in this business again. And <laughs> you said, "Thank God." <laughs> I literally did that. I thought I made the right choice. And yeah, I do remember you telling me that. Yeah, I made the right choice, not because of the job thing, but because I think it, it freed me. I mean, it was like I. I need. I needed an, an. I'm not an answer, but I needed something to say. Okay, this is it. This is it. This is my life.
5: Arthur moved back. Ben bought them a bigger house. Up until this point in their adult lives, the two of them were, by any standard, very successful, very financially secure, making good money. Arthur had been working at a bank. Ben was a scientist working for a big lab corporation, so they had a ton of disposable income to travel together. And even though it was still the 90s and gay marriage wasn't legal in the U.S.
4: yet. I made Ben propose to me in Paris. <laughs>
6: <laughs> we considered ourselves together, okay? But yes, we went to Paris and we didn't have any kids, so we had the means to go. We would go to Europe once or twice a year and generally Paris because we really loved Paris at then.
4: I was unemployed at the time, so I definitely could go to Paris. And yes, you could. Mm-hmm. So...
6: And we always took some kids with us, friends' kids, that they wanted to go. So that year was
4: Who was, was that
6: Sam? I think that was Sam. Yes, it was Sam, Sam and one other kid.
4: Glenn, Sam, and Glenn.
6: Glenn, yeah. So while we were on one of the boats on the Seine, I had bought two rings, had them custom made, and I presented presented to Arthur. And the uh, the kids were in on it with me, so it was fun.
4: It was fun, and I, I literally was surprised because I didn't realize that. I mean, I would, I was given a hard time that I, I wanted to be proposed to, and so, but we had already been to Paris a couple of different times or Europe, so it wasn't like it was a particular trip to Paris. So I was really surprised when it happened. Like, oh. And
6: then Arthur proceeded to lose the ring. Well, and. So when we got back, I had a, a, another ring made. <laughs> and then as he was putting up his luggage one day, he heard something rattling around in it. And it was the ring that he thought he had lost. So he has two rings. And I was saying, <laughs> <laughs> the
4: first one was a, little bit, it was a little bit big and it probably needed to be resized. Yeah. So I to wear it.
6: Mm. That's
4: right. But we had two weddings, actually. Our two sort of, because we had sort of a a celebration of our of our time in the '90s of our. our that was nineteen ninety nine.
6: We yeah. had the, the church wasn't allowed. The church was not doing marriages, same sex marriages, but they were doing blessings. So Saint Bart's had become very central to our lives, both Arthur and and, and my life. And we had a party at oh shoot, I forgot the name of the house at Emory anyway. used to um, yeah house. the house the mill house, yes, and all the church people that wanted to come, I mean, most all of them did so it was great. We had a very fun fun event at that time, and the the priest gave us the blessing it's over three hundred people yeah, it was fun and, we had and a good time. Priest,
4: the priest at the time was warned by other people priest, because we weren't quite there with the Episcopal Church, but we were there. I mean, the church itself, that he would never make bishop if he had done this.
5: But the priest blessed them anyway, and he still did eventually make bishop. Yep, did the right thing, got the job. And Arthur and Ben officially got married later on in 2013 when marriage became legal for them. And then Ben started to get this itch, actually. It was more of a calling.
6: I mean, I fell in love with the Episcopal Church. I just fell in love with it, and I thought I, I would really like to be a priest. But I was, I was doing really good at my in what I was doing, and so I, I didn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't just walk away from work. So the years went by. <laughs> Did you imagine the calendar? I used to do it in the movies. The calendar would be pages would be ripped off. And,
4: but they were wonderful years actually. Oh they
6: were absolutely wonderful. And we we got to, we knew got closer every every day. We got closer and
4: we got we got we got, we got to live into the church yeah, Lord, the church. We uh, we tried to
6: adopt a child yes. and we were doing an open adoption. And we were ready. The parish, Saint Bartholomew's, was—they re- had given us so much stuff that we were ready. Yeah. And the birth mother, which is—it is her right and her prerogative to do so, but she changed her mind that morning that she gave birth. And it was—we, I, and I think Arthur too, but I, I know I hit really hard. I mean, I—it was like you just hit me. Yeah.
4: We still don't talk about that very well today. No. I wish I,
6: it's my one, I don't have very many regrets in life. And that is one of them that I, I didn't, that Arthur and I didn't try again to adopt. But I didn't because I, I didn't want to go through that hurt again.
5: When did you guys make up your mind that you, that you wanted to adopt in the first place? And did you both want to be fathers from the beginning?
4: I, I always wanted to be a father. I think, I think both. Yeah. We, from the beginning, actually.
6: Or a parent, I should say, a parent. I mean, I had a wonderful father and a mother. They were wonderful. And I you know, I knew there were lots of kids out there that didn't have good homes. They just needed love. And we went through the, what is it, MAPS model approach to parenting, something through DeKalb County. We thought DeKalb was fairly progressive. But after we we finished, they, we were told that we would not be... Isn't this right, Arthur? We were told that we wouldn't oh, be... Yes. A, they would only place a special needs child with us.
4: What made me very upset? This was after the. This was actually after the uh, open adoption failed. They had told us that we would. They would only let us have. No,
6: it was before Arthur. We had to do it in order to
4: adopt. Oh, that's true. We had to do it. I get confused. Time gets lost. But what I do remember, and what upset me the most. I think it still upsets me today, is that they would only allow us to have a special needs child that was HIV positive or had AIDS. Oh, right. Which and is... I literally looked at her and the woman we were talking to, and I said, I don't, why do you think, just because we're two gay guys, we have any idea of how to manage that? Neither one of us are positive. Do you just assume that we're positive because we're gay?
6: I mean, it, it was it was sort of a, a... It wasn't sort of. It was a a punch (laughs) for, for us and for the baby. I mean, so this baby is now, you don't consider us appropriate parents, but you're willing to do this baby, give it because it's a throwaway baby. That's, that's what you're saying. It's a throwaway baby. Right.
4: And then it just, it still curls me because, and then I still have to live with the fact that I turned down a child.
6: Yeah. We weren't prepared for special needs that we, we at that time. We were not. Anyway. The time goes on and we get more and more deeper into the church. People start asking us to be godparents to their children. And there's a role that we, we relished. And many of our kids that we took with us on trips were godchildren. Even though we don't have any children, we actually have a lot of children. <laughs> it's It's not the same. It's not the same, but... We have kids in our lives, and now these kids, many of them are young adults. there yeah. So
4: one of them would just is lives in Paris and and has a little baby. I was just in Paris just last week visiting them and the baby. And um, I mean, I, yeah, it's it's a continuation. It's great.
6: We kept working and living, working and living, and then in two thousand. I really come to think, I want to be a priest. I want to be a priest. And Arthur had told me that he would like to be a deacon, an ordained deacon. Deacons are ordained in the Episcopal Church.
5: Both of the men had found such love and gotten so many blessings, including each other from St. Barts and the Episcopal Church at large, that they wanted to be more of a part of it. They wanted to actually join the clergy give up their big professional well-paying jobs and serve the church. This was a huge step for both men who'd grown up feeling like religion was completely at odds with who they were and the fact that they were gay. We're going to take a quick break here but when we return I want to back up a little bit to talk about Ben and Arthur's spiritual journey
0: as gay men.
7: If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Arthur had quit the church when he was a young adult.
4: Because I just was not, couldn't feel myself welcome. Plus, whenever I was honest with any of the priests in the Catholic Church, they honestly told me I couldn't come to communion anymore. I could come up, but couldn't receive. And so that threw me off big time. So when I first went to the Episcopal Church, I wasn't going to go to communion. But someone had mentioned that, or I didn't at first. This is when I was going to the cathedral. Uh Uh-huh. And but someone had mentioned that, and I and I told him, I said, I'm because I tried to be honest with people, and I said, I'm gay, I can't go up there. And they said, Oh, oh, that's that's not a problem. <laughs> I said, really? And so, of course, the next the rest is history. When we were growing more into the church and into the church family, I became friends with the deacon at St. Bart's, Charles Gearing, really sweet man. And so my interest came back and it flourished this time in the Episcopal Church.
5: Flourishing in a church was not in Arthur's original plan. He never expected it.
4: I I had the typical scenario of when I came out to my parents, left out to whatever.
6: Arthur was thrown out of the house in high school.
4: I was. I was homeless. I was a typical homeless teenager, or I was a little older than a teenager. It was my first year of college, so. But still, I was young and impressionable and homeless. And I still remember to this day in that time when I was homeless that I wasn't, I probably felt the most free in my life at that point in time and that I ever felt, having no idea where my next meal was going to come from. And I think I really felt that freedom out of my faith. And when I stumbled upon this guy who wouldn't let go of my hand in church, I think at the most vulnerable time of my spiritual faith was when I was alone. And the most enchanting time of my spiritual life has been when with Ben.
6: Oh, that's sweet. (laughs) An acquaintance of mine about that time, I was talking to him about church and didn't know what to do. And He said, we should try this little church called St. Bartholomew's up on the hill because they had let uh, open hands. You remember our project, Open Hands? They did meals for AIDS patients. And a lot of churches, a lot of places wouldn't let let them use their kitchens to make the the meals. St. Bartholomew's did. So I said, okay, I'll try it. The only thing I know about Episcopalians are jokes. I mean, I know a few jokes about Episcopalians and I don't even know what really an Episcopalian is. So I went by myself, which was highly unusual for me, but I did. And I fell in love with it, as I said previously, that that very first day. And that very first day, I heard the priest say that gays and lesbians are welcome at the table. Gay and lesbians are expected to be at the table and share the life of the church, including the responsibilities. I had never. Ever heard anything like that before that was a life changer if I wasn't at church every Sunday I felt bad not because I felt guilty it's because I wanted to be at church and couldn't be so my whole spiritual life started off that I wasn't going to go to church anymore to I can't stand not to be in church uh was a, a reversal to say the least and it's just funny how the, the Holy Spirit works in our lives and and can work in our lives. I wouldn't have met Arthur. I mean, I, I know this all sounds hokey, but it, it all sort of fell into place.
5: And finding love in the church and with each other, that, it changed everything.
6: I mean, I think it made us it stronger. Here's why it, we had... A community that supported us, that loved us, and so when, when any hard times, the community was there with us. And to me, Embraced by Community helped me embrace Arthur that much more. Because you've got to remember, the, all three entities were against us. Our families, the government, and the church, the big church. With the help of the community of St. Bartholomew's in particular, but also my work environment, it supported us and got us through all of the negativity. It was, I I attribute that we, not that we stayed together, but we stayed together in a great way through those years because of the support of the community the people in our lives.
4: And we've been very, very blessed in having community. You know, this is one thing that, that I still think about for myself. And when I was young and a young adult and being honest with myself and I'm gay, blah, 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 I thought I would never have a church. I thought I would never have a community because that's the that's the language you get at that point in time, especially what I got in that in the 80s. You're worthless uh-huh. and you're not going right. to have family or you're going to be family to anybody. All right. But... I have been enormously blessed that I found the Episcopal Church and have a family there. Both
5: men chose to completely switch careers in order to dedicate themselves more fully to the church. More on that after a quick break.
3: The
7: Your perfect home, sweet home.
5: Arthur ended up going to Berkeley to become a deacon. Ben went to seminary school. At this point, they were both in their mid-40s, but that didn't matter. Age didn't matter. They just did it. They both decided to dedicate their lives to the church because in so many ways, this church had already saved both of their lives.
6: It was fun. It was, that was fun. I mean, I, it was a wonderful experience at 40, at the age 47. Going, I mean, I, had, I, I don't know where the rule is that you can only have one career. I don't know. Somebody's talked us into that.
5: So today, Ben is a priest at St. Francis Episcopal Church and Arthur is a deacon at St. Christopher's Church. And so now doing what you guys are doing, do you help each other out? you do you're, careers overlap at all
6: absolutely now the bishop says that arthur writes my sermons that is not true but after i write a sermon i always read it out loud to arthur just to make sure it's it's not stupid or that i'm not offensive saying being too mean or too direct or whatever. So he helps me with that, and he does the same thing with me when he does a sermon. This is what I try not to do, is bring stuff home from the day to Arthur, because he's worked as well. So when I'm at home, I want it to be home and not talk about work stuff so much.
4: When I come home, I I don't want to talk about it either.
5: Both Arthur and Ben found a family and grace and love within the Episcopal Church, but they still face questions.
4: I mean, especially some at some points and times in the South, in middle Georgia, how can you be Christian and you be gay? How can you be Christian and not look at these values a certain a certain way that we look at
6: them? I traveled quite a bit in Georgia, but Atlanta, you know, was where I lived, was my home, And I I just started thinking, oh, this isn't going to be good. A gay priest in Macon, Georgia, a partnered gay priest at that time. And so we did it. Tell you right now that none of my fears have come about. The parish has been wonderful. The people, our neighbors have been wonderful. Macon has been great. Now I'm not saying there's not some yahoos around, but they're everywhere, even in Atlanta. That was a good thing to learn, actually. It was good. The, the parish has been wonderful to me and Arthur. They love, probably love Arthur more than they love me.
4: So I'm no stranger to a small town. And, and we've had some of our challenges here, but none of the challenges have been anywhere what I thought it would be.
6: Mm-mm. They, they haven't. Mm-mm. We've been well received.
4: And, and
6: we've made a difference. We've made a difference by being out gay. Plurgy.
4: I think one of the most touching moments for me was when a couple of friends of ours invited us to their wedding, a gay couple, at the First Baptist Church.
6: Yeah, same-sex wedding at First Baptist Church. I bet you never thought you'd hear those words. <laughs> <I know.
4: laughs> and so I'm at the reception afterwards, and they were just kind of cool friends we've been hanging out with since we moved here and got to know. And he, one of them pulled me over to the side and started crying, and he said, "This day would not have been." where it is if it hadn't been that we met you guys when you came. I'm certainly not saying that we
6: influenced the first Baptist church, but no, we don't. I think we gave right. people courage to ask.
4: Right. I think exactly. Exactly. You know?
6: And that that church is a wonderful church. They do a lot. So they were they were already headed in that direction, but you know sometimes you you have to give people the courage to ask, help them get that courage. I Man, I think just being present letting that people are aware you know, I've grown up knowing that hearing that gays are horrible people and can't be part of the church. And all of a sudden they see a priest who's married and is leading a church and it changes their outlook. And it, when I do marriage counseling, I always ask them, why can't a gay guy tell these two people, this man and woman, about marriage and almost all of them say, so "We know you've been through the same thing that we're getting ready to go through." And what I have. We we have. So uh, we talk at length about everybody has issues with in laws and and all of that, and gay or or straight or what, and all the the other spectrum and spectrum. And it's how we deal with it, and not how we deal with our partner and those we love with it. And I'm a chaplain. I'm a chaplain on the. Sheriff's Department now in Macon-Bibb County. Sheriff knows all about me. The sheriff asked me to be a chaplain. They have policemen who are gay and lesbian. I'm not just for the gay and lesbian. I'm for everybody. The presence is a a big deal for people, I think. It's a a big unspoken thing that's positive. I mean, I had a parishioner, and this is going to sound a little crass, but what she says, but what she meant, I thought was very good. She came to me and said, I don't believe in gay marriage. I said, okay. And she looks at me and said, but you know what? That's God's problem. I thought that was a very healthy thing because you know, God tells us to love everybody. And all of a sudden somebody else is saying, well, God didn't mean them. I'm gonna love everybody and I love you. I don't exactly understand what you're doing, but that's God's problem. I don't have a problem with that at all.
5: Ben used to be a scientist. Arthur was a lawyer and a banker. And those are careers that you might think are at odds from serving the church. But having that rich past and those backgrounds, that has served both of them really well in tending to their flocks and in tending to their relationship.
6: It's not the religion and science should be together. They they came apart you know, I guess, during the Renaissance. We're both trying to make the invisible visible. That's what we're doing. And we're, we're asking different questions as, as it should be. We're just asking different questions. Now I said science will be able to answer all the questions. Science will answer the questions, but you have to know what questions to ask too. And I believe science is a revelation of God. And I think many people believe that. I mean, it's a revelation. You may not want to say it's from God. I personally think it's revelation from God through human endeavors. So I've come to see that I don't have to have an opposing mindset in my mind and compartmentalize it. Now I I can look at and, and, and have both in my head at the same time.
4: I come to it from the legal side of it, which is funny. And now that I think about it, because in my area of law, I've always worked in corporate and banking law, which has always has been sort of straight up and down. I mean, it's a closed case all the time. There's these defined structures and these codes and the law, how it sets. But I think what I really enjoy or I really find feeding me in this journey is the Socratic nature of law, and that Socratic nature, I even find even more intriguing in the Gospels. And that's why I find myself closer to the diaconate, because the diaconate does keep us asking questions, why? Why is not not so much as I want to help the homeless, but why is the person homeless? Why is the person, why Why are the injustices happening? What is the systemic issue that we're not looking at? And that's the G- part of the Jesus movement that I was very much identified with in my personal background from coming from working in law and banking into the diaconate that I do now.
5: I wish more people would think about it like that. I... I'm going to let you guys go for the night. I wish that we could have done this in person because we would have had so much fun. <laughs>
4: yeah, we would <were>, yeah. <laughs> Especially with maybe a drink or two while we were in. it. Uh, oh, my gosh. No. I don't know.
5: So let's, let's toast to the world possibly opening up again, and maybe we can all get together next time I head down south. So
4: Yes. Definitely. Well, you're, Fantastic. All, you're always welcome here in, in Macon. Great. We'd love to have you.
2: This episode of Committed was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza. With a very special thanks to Arthur Villarreal and Ben Wells. Supervising producer is Ramsey Young. The executive producers are Joe Piazza and Tyler Klang. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com that's J-O at committedpodcast.com you can grab a copy of Joe's book How to Be Married on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: From BBC Radio 4